God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We're beginning a new Christian year. All year long, we've been telling, we've been proclaiming, we've been telling the story of the gospel. And uh, now it's time to start all over again. And so we're at the beginning of a new Christian year. And when we begin to tell the story all over again about the coming of Jesus Christ, we tell both the beginning and the end at the same time. And so these first Sundays of Advent, the, the focus is really on the end of the story. And, the, and, and, and so here's the bonus question of the day. If somebody were to say to you, can you tell me in 20 words or less, let's say 25, you know, what's the gospel? What would you say? Well, I can say at least this much. The gospel is a story, it's a story, and it's story and promise. It's story and promise. The gospel is story and promise. It is, it is a, uh, a proclamation about something that has happened. This is one of the great things we've got to understand when we compare the Christianity with other uh, religious uh, movements, with other spiritualities and approaches to God. Uh, Christianity is, is not so much about, um, uh, what, you know, a prescription of spiritual practices, although it has those, but it is first and foremost news about something that has occurred, something has happened. It is first of all a story, a true story, and because the story is true, you can count on the promises, you can believe in the promises. Uh, this, is, this is something that's unusual. One of my great heroes was a missionary bishop, Leslie Newbegin, and he spent all of his life, most of his life, in, in, in India. And he used to go and sit and read the Hebrew, Hindu scriptures with the, uh, with, with the priests in the Hindu temple, and then they'd read the New Testament together. And at one point, one of the Hindu priests said to him, we used to think that your Bible was a book of religion, and we weren't very interested in it because we have our own books of religion, and they're older than yours. But your Bible doesn't appear to be a book of religion. It appears to be an account of universal history. It's a story. It's the world's true story about what God has done, what uh, God has achieved, and what God will yet bring to pass. And we keep telling that story, we keep proclaiming that story. The church exists for no other purpose other than to proclaim the gospel. We proclaim it to the world, we proclaim it to ourselves, and in praise and adoration and thanksgiving, we proclaim it to the Lord. And um, so we, we, we just, we do this day in and day out, and we do it not only by speaking, but uh, the prophet Isaiah says today, the word of the Lord, which the prophet, the beginning of the book of Isaiah, says the word of the Lord, which the prophet saw. The word of the Lord, which the prophet We have to not only hear the word, we've got to see the word, we've got to feel the word, we've got to be shaped by the word, we've got to be formed by the word. Um, if we're not formed by the word, then we'll be deformed by the world. And the story that we have, it's a, it, is a, it is a gospel, which means what? It means it's a, it's, a, it's a story of good news. It's a story of hope. I want to just locate this word uh, gospel in the, in, in the world of antiquity for a minute, moment. 
Uh, the English word gospel is a translation of a Greek word. And the Greek word is evangelion, or evangelion. And uh, the person who brings, just means literally good news. And the person who brings the good news is the evangelist. And here's, here's where the word comes from. The best place to live in the ancient world, the safest place to live, is inside of a walled city. And when the enemies of the city come, the king takes the army out to stop them before they can get too close and besiege the city. And there's a battle that takes place, and it takes place out of sight of the city. And the watchmen, if you listen to the anthem today, there are watchmen, and they're watching on the wall, right? They're waiting for news of the battle. That's what they're watching for. And this battle, which involves your uh, salvation or your destruction, which involves um, your, um, your safety, uh, your, your living or your dying, is taking place beyond your sight. The king is out there with the army. He's fighting this battle. And you can see, maybe by the dust on the horizon, that something has happened, that there's been, a, there's been a culmination of the battle, and news of the battle is brought. And the one who brings the news, there's a messenger who brings the news. Now, the watchman can tell by the way the messenger is running whether he's an evangelist or not, whether he's running with joy or not. If he's running with joy, he's an evangelist because he's bringing good news of the victory. The gospel is, first of all, good news of a victory. We're not alone. We are not up against the darkness that is inside our hearts and the darkness that's in the world, against the shrewd and uncanny evil that confounds our best our best plans and our, 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 our best efforts and our, our, um, our best desires. We're not up against the chaos that is inside us and the chaos that is out there. We're not alone. There is someone who fights on our side. God himself is with us. He sent his only begotten son to fight on our behalf. And he's entered the lists as our champion. And he's engaged with all the enemies of our human dignity. He's engaged with sin, with evil, with darkness, with the, with the systemic powers that corrupt human beings and um, maim the life of this world. He's, he's even engaged in some mysterious way that we cannot understand with the... Um, the distortion that's in the creation itself. St. Paul says the whole creation is groaning and travail, longing for the appearing of the sons of God. Here comes the evangelist, right? We can tell by his running that he's bringing good news. It's news of a victory. He's in, he has taken on all of our enemies, and he's defeated them on the cross. He's defeated them by a, a, a Niagara of love, by... Uh, the sacrificial love of God poured out uh, for our sake. And he, is, he has, by this great act of love, vanquished everything that threatens us. And St. Paul says, and the last enemy of all is death. And he's, he's, he's tread down death by death. He's defeated death by death. And the evangelist comes to tell us of the victory. Now, uh, since 
since this is the king, and this is the battle, and this is the victory, and therefore this is the evangelist, it's not just some runner. He comes himself. He comes himself. He comes himself with news of the victory. And he stands in the midst, right? Three days afterwards. And he shows them the signs of the victory. And he breathes into them the victory. And in his presence, there is the, there is the peace that's been won. There, uh, because of what has happened, all the promises of God, including this promise of Isaiah, that they will beat their swords into plowshares. And they'll not study war anymore. All the promises of God are coming true. They've already come true in a way uh, we already uh, can touch them. We can already begin to see them. What's it like to live in the city to whom the evangelist has come? So the victory's been won. The good news has come. There is elation, there is, there is relief, there is joy, there is gratitude, and, there, and there, is, there is hope now rather than despair. And there is this great sense of uh, getting ready. The king is coming. The victory celebration is nigh. Now is the time to get ready. And that's the place where we are in, 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 this, in this story. So... Um, the, the gospel, as briefly as I can put the gospel, is God has raised Jesus from the dead. The victory is won. God has fought on our behalf. And he has vanquished everything that threatens us. And he is coming. He's coming. He, he's coming to complete and perfect and bring to a consummation what he has begun in this decisive act in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we are able to live um, in this time of waiting. So we're, we're waiting between this first announcement of the victory and its final consummation in this time of waiting. And this, this waiting is so different from the waiting that's in the world. Waiting in the world is just one damn thing after another. Waiting in the world uh, is, uh, we're, we're terrified of it because we get bored with it. Uh, we talk about dead time, and we, talk about, and we talk about killing time. But waiting between the coming of the evangelist and the arrival of the king, that is waiting that's pregnant. That's waiting that's full. That's waiting that's full of joy, that's full of hope, that's full of expectation, and full of uh, the necessity to be ready to receive him when he comes. So this time is, is, is a time of waiting, but it's not a time of mere passivity. It's a time that is that's filled with longing, right? It's, uh, we're reaching forward and already, uh, St. Paul says, when we get the Holy Eucharist, we're getting a down payment. We're getting today an installment of the life of the world, which is coming. We're, we're, we're filling this time with a yeah, well, what's it like? It's like the heart that panteth after the water brook. So panteth my soul after the Lord. And the Lord who gives a well of water springing up to eternal life, he is, he's both coming and coming.
This is the world's true story, and the church repeats the story over and over and over again. When it gets done, it starts, it starts all over again. And um, this story is essential for us to live with hope. It's essential for us to not um, become overwhelmed and paralyzed by the counter story. Well, the world now tells no counter story. The world says there's no such thing as a story. It is just one damn thing after another. Uh, how is it possible to live with hope? You may have spotted that there's a great epidemic of anxiety. You may have spotted that there's a great ep epidemic of depression. There's a great epidemic of um, drug addiction and other things. What can we say about these things? They're all diseases of hope. They're, they're, they're all rooted in a, in a hopelessness. I read something the other day that was very striking to me, that, that um, the very objective measure, which is people admitted to emergency rooms for trying to harm themselves. That's very objective. You know, it's not self-reporting. Like you're admitted to an emergency room because you tried to harm yourself. So young, young women, so it, the rising generation of young women compared to the generation above them. So let's say girls who are 15, 16 years old now compared to the generation of girls above them. Four times, four times men coming to emergency rooms because they've tried to do away with themselves. Hope is in short supply. Hope is in short supply because the story is forgotten. For, the, for hope to be restored, the, the confidence in the story must be restored. We, we, we have hope because we believe in the promise. We believe in the promise because the story is a true story. It's the world's true story. It's your true story. It's my true story. And if we lose our grip on this story, we get lost. It is so important for us to come here and to be immersed in this story. We must not only hear it, we must see it, we must smell it, we must taste it, we must be formed by it physically. Um, I have a little book on the Eucharist in that I use a metaphor that when somebody has a brain injury, often the therapist gets down on the floor, floor with them and they repattern the person. They have to learn how to crawl, you know, they have to, they, they, their movements have to, have to be reformed, right? That's what the, what, what the liturgy does for us. The power of deformation is in the world is very, very strong. But the power of formation that is here is very strong as well. And we must be constantly immersed in the formation that is offered to us in the world's true story, that God is with us, that he's acted decisively for us, that he has, that he is, that he is begun the work of making all things new and he will surely bring it to pass. Believe in the promises because the story is true. This is the word. You can see it. You can touch it. You can taste it. You can feel it. You can move in it. is a very simple word. It's good news. It is news that God has acted for us 
through Jesus Christ the Lord. It is the news that he gives to the apostles on the third day when he says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, my peace that I, I give you. It is the news that he gives to the apostles when he says to them, in the world you'll have trouble, but I've overcome the world. Because of what God has done, we confidence in what he will do. And we can live with hope and expectation and the great desire to be ready so that when he does appear, whether at the end of our life or at the end of all things, we shall without shame or fear behold his appearing. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.